Praise the Lord. Well, it's great to be in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? Amen. You're breathing. You're excited. We welcome you today. It's summertime. People are on trips, taking vacation. But God is with us, and He's here to, to bless us as we look at His Word today. I'm going to share with you today on the uh, uh, getting a special, you can pull it this way, a special drink of water. If you have your Bibles, you might like to open to John chapter 4. Now, if you didn't bring a Bible today, uh, our ushers have one in their hand. We'd be happy to give you a Bible if you don't have one, or if for some reason you forgot it, grab one so you can follow along. You know, uh, it's important to always have the textbook with you for the class uh, that you're in. And turn with me to John chapter 4, and we're going to look at a very, very interesting portion of Scripture. Uh, in Salt Lake, Pastor Chad is preaching through this summer through the book of John. And uh, actually, they're uh, uh, teaching it on Wednesday night as a Wednesday night class, an elective class. I'll be teaching a number of those this summer when I'm back there. And uh, I just love the Gospel of John. Of course, I love all the Gospels. You have to love all the Word of God, right? And I, I just want to encourage you today that there is something very, very unique. How many of you in your Bible reading over the years, have read passages of Scripture after passages of Scripture, and then you'll be reading a passage, and all of a sudden something jumps out at you that you have never seen before. It's almost like, where was that? I don't know how many times I've read the Bible through, but I'm going to share with you today something in this particular passage that I overlooked, and it has such a specific uh, meaning within the framework of this passage. John chapter 4 And uh, we're going to talk about the Samaritan woman. And also, how many of you need to know in your life that truths have to be repeated over and over again, right? It's sort of in our nature. Uh, When we teach our kids, we just don't tell them once, you know. We have to tell them over and over again. And finally, it sinks in. And so there is a, a message here, I believe, that needs to be brought to us again of what our real cause as Christians is all about. You know, sometimes we get caught up in church. I know I can get caught up in church or what I'm doing for Grace International or in my travels or, or the things that I'm doing. And, and you can get so caught up in, in the, the day-to-day activities, you miss the very nature of what God expects us to do, what God expects us to live. So I want us to pray. I, I really believe that I just want God to open up your mind today and let the Holy Spirit just sort of settle on you and speak to you and give you a word. Father, I thank you today that we are here. I thank you for Life Church. I thank you, Lord, for all the churches in this city, in this region that are preaching the gospel. Lord, we pray that your word would just, uh, it'd be like a big rock, a, a huge boulder dropped in the middle of Lake Michigan and, and the, the, the waves that would go out from that and eventually get to the shore. Lord, I pray that today something would drop in the middle of our spiritual lives that would just reverberate out. And Lord, it would affect our families. It would affect our neighborhoods. It would affect our workplaces. It would affect our country. Lord, we need a revival to come and strike every level of our lives. And Lord, I pray now that as we look at this familiar portion of Scripture, that we would pick up some new truths. And that, Lord, we have the opportunity share living water. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So if you have your Bibles and you have them cracked open, I'm using the New King James Version today. Uh, It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now, when you do your Bible study or you're reading Scripture, I always stop and ask myself, why did he need to go through Samaria? Because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of his dad, his Spirit was leading him to a specific encounter. And I really believe that God has, for all of us, specific encounters. Encounters that are life-changing. Encounters that God will use and build on. Now, uh, the, the situation here is he had to go there. It wasn't a normal route that a Jewish person would take. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They were half-breeds. The, during uh, a split, a fight, the northern kingdom was split off. The king that conquered that part of, of the Jewish nation uh, sent many other uh, people that they had conquered to that particular portion, and they intermarried with the Jews. Now, the Jews, uh, if you weren't a total, full-blooded Jew, uh, they didn't really want to give you much time. In fact, as you study the Scripture, even after Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, all that great stuff happened, and we'll talk a little bit about this later, it, it was a while before they realized that even the gospel that Jesus brought and what he paid on the cross was for the Gentiles. Are you there? You understand that they, they just had such a mind block. Okay, Jesus came. He's God's son. He came to restore, they thought, to restore the nation of Israel, the kingdom of David. And, he, and, and they got so locked in that they forgot about these people that were outside of their nationality. Now, I'm half Swedish. Is mom here today? Where is, is my mom here? Now, what's the other half, mom? Half Swedish? Is it Norwegian or is it Icelandic? Okay, so Swede and Icelandic. So I'm one of those uh, crossbreeds. And from a Nordic sense, there's a real battle going on there, I guess. But you have to understand, when you read the Scripture, you have to know just what was going on at that particular time. They, they were locked in. His disciples were locked into the fact that you wouldn't even talk to one of these half-breeds. And, and let's just go on and we'll just see this. You have to pick that up. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. There was also an altar there. It doesn't give us there, but there was an altar and a well there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. You might want to circle Jesus was weary. God's son, tired. It also shows, as you study this, that even though he was God, he was also a man. Got that? He got tired, just like you and I got tired. The word even says that he was tempted in every way that we are tempted. Man, your mind can go all over that one, can it? Right? He was truly a man. He was tired. He was weary, yet he was God. So he sits by this ancient monument that now is in an area that is uh, full of half-breeds. The normal Jewish sentiment was, you don't talk to them. They're less. they're, they're, They're a mess. So pick this up. 
a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. All right? Now you're seeing what I told you. That you see the historical background. You see that the kingdom was split. That the Jews that were left back there ended up intermarrying. And now this Samaritan woman, who is half Jew and half whatever, is there coming to draw water. She's thirsty. She's coming to... She Probably, if you could picture it, she, they walked with water bottles on their head or, or whatever and, and came to draw water. There Jesus is sitting by Jacob's well, and she comes. She does not expect him to talk to her. First of all, men in that environment, they were, according to the Pharisaical law, the, Pharisee, the Pharisees were nitpickers. I mean, they, they nitpicked at every little part of the law. I mean, they would talk about how your uh, tunic was pressed. They would talk about the, if, if you didn't meticulously wash your hands. I mean, they just had thousands of rules. And then there's Jesus. They weren't real excited about Jesus because he was drawing crowds. People were coming to him. He, uh, he, they got on him for when, he, when, the, when, they, when his disciples walked through and they were pulling off grain and eating it. I mean, they're just, just nitpickers. Now, there are some Christians I've met like that that are nitpickers. And, you know, early on in my Christian walk, I probably was a little pharisaical myself. Are you there? Boy, if it just wasn't like this, just wasn't just the way it should be, I would, you know, why aren't they like I am? You know, that, that, that attitude is a pharisaical attitude. But what I want you to see today, and, and, and in the church, maybe you're not a nitpicker, but maybe your influence is just in the church. Your friends are in the church or in this church or other bodies where you know other Christians. And that's sort of where you live and move. But see, God is wanting us to break out and do something new. God is wanting us to, to refresh a thirsty nation. I was thinking this morning on my, on my prayer walk about uh, an old song. It was about this particular, like the woman at the well, I was thirsting. Some of you might remember. I think it's an old Gaither tune. For things that could not satisfy. And it goes on. It's a great song. And it really plays to where people are today. There are a lot of people that we're not talking to. Maybe it isn't because they're a half-breed. Maybe it isn't because they're not necessarily in our group. We just aren't doing it. But God is calling for us to break loose like never before and enter into something that will be so much fun. Uh, on Memorial Day, uh, you guys passed out how many bottles of water? 6,700. 6,700 bottles of water in, on, in the De Pere Parade. To people, and probably most of them were consumed because it was hot and people were thirsty. But just think now, I was thinking this morning, even on my prayer walk, how many people that we live around, like this woman, are thirsty they want a bottle of water. They want something to satisfy their lives. And it isn't only water. We're going to find out that this woman had somewhat of a... Uh, she was a, a little bit like Elizabeth Taylor, sort of. Are you, we're, we're going to get there in a minute. But think of the people that are out there that are trying to find satisfaction 
from this world, and it doesn't satisfy them. They need someone to step outside of the boundaries and bring them something that will give them something that they never imagined could satisfy them. Let's go on here a little bit, a little bit further and look at this. The woman, his disciples had gone. The woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him or me, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again. In other words, 6,700 bottles of water, wonderful thing to do, great way to get the name of the church out there. It's a nice thing to do. I mean, we, but and the reality is they are going to thirst again. They probably either bought more bottled water or drank water at home or whatever they consumed. So there is this point of Jesus is trying to get into her heart that there is something much better, something that will satisfy more than her life, more than a drink of water, more than pulling water from a sacred well. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst and come here to draw. Jesus said to her, now, he didn't answer her question immediately, directly, did he? Here's what he said to her. Jesus said, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you are now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. So now he's on a level of truth. It's interesting, the Greek word for husband here, we would think that she was married five times and now was uh, living in an adulterous relationship with the sixth guy. But the Greek word here is actually interpreted fifth man or sixth man. Now, we don't know for sure if she was married to a couple of them or all of them, but the reality was, I see a picture here of a lot of the people in this world today. There's a sexual revolution that's been going on for some time, right? Probably for a lot longer than we think. It started before the 60s. Are you there? It goes way back a long time. Might be more open, but I want to tell you that sexual stuff has been going on for thousands of years, right? And, and it, now, of course, our society and the news media and everything really, it plays it up. I mean... Uh, there are those who uh, have great difficulty with this whole sexual thing. It, it's, it's, it's thrown in the face of our young people at a younger and younger age. I mean, it is out there, right? Right? And see, people think, and they've been sold a bill of goods, that the more sex you have or the more relationships you can get into, the better your life will be because things will feel good and it'll be fun and it will be exciting. And so the devil, not, and it's not only that, it's drugs. It's not only that, it's possessions. There's so many things that, that you, you chase after or you run toward 
that you think are going to satisfy you. And ultimately, no matter how enjoyable the moment might be, no matter how enjoyable the possession might be, no matter how fun maybe some momentary buzz might be, are you there? It does not satisfy. In fact, in Proverbs, when it talks about alcohol, it talks about who has woe, who has contention, who has strife, who has wounds without cause. They that linger long at the cup. You know, you see, it it basically says you look at the beauty of it in the cup, but in the end, the Bible says that it bites you. And it isn't only alcohol that bites you. It's, It's your attitude that bites you. All of these kinds of things. So now we have this woman, real woman, living in adultery. We don't know how many times she's been married. But you also have to get the thing is, Jesus had never met her before, had he? Right? Never met her. In fact, he said, I have to go through Samaria because he needed to meet her because he knew she was going to be there. Begin to think about this with me. If Jesus knows that about her, what does he know about you? Come on. He knows everything that's going on in your little brain. He knows everything that you type in your computer. He knows every little thing that you put together uh, in whatever you're doing. All the communications, everything you think, everything you say, everything you email, everything you talk on the phone, everything you say to your wife, your husband, everything. He knows everything. That's a little scary, right? But all of the things relative to sin don't satisfy. Okay, so let's, let's look at two types here. Let's, I want to call you today a type of Jesus, okay? Are you there? The church is the type of Jesus. And the people out in the world, and we use the world as a sense of those who don't know Christ, who are seeking after all kinds of stuff. Um, you can take a ride during the day by Lambeau Field. We went over, uh, it's our little grandson Landon's uh, first birthday's coming up, and Brooke called and said, could you guys go to the pro shop and get him a little something, you know, for his birthday? And we went and got him a little Aaron Rodgers jersey, you know, with a little tag on it and, and a football that we could tie on the package next month for his birthday. I want to tell you, the pro shop was full. I mean, I must have had to walk three blocks to get there. I dropped Jan off, and I went and tried to find a place, but I was smart. I, I sort of hovered out there until someone pulled up, and I got one. You didn't have to walk quite as far. So you find the pro shop is full. Last night we went to uh, get an ice cream cone at the Frosty Tip in, in Dykesville. No calories, of course. And, and you know, the, the, the bowling alley was full. Uh, someone must have been having a wedding in one of the homes because there were cars up and down the street. And you can take a ride in, in past Lambeau Field or restaurants and sports bars. And, I mean, their parking lots are all full, aren't they? Why? Because these people... Now, there's nothing wrong with going to some of these places, to a wedding. Nothing wrong with going to a frosty tip or, or going to a, a wedding reception or, or whatever. But see, in the core issue is so many people are seeking stuff. This, you talk about this woman. I'm sure when she had her first relationship, she thought, man, this is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful. And it didn't turn out well. And then she goes to another relationship and to another relationship And people go from one habit to another habit to another thing to another thing. What do they need? They need the church, us, to say, I must needs go to my neighborhood. 
I must needs go to my workplace with, with a fresh filling of what God really wants me to do. I, I tell you, I see this all over the place. I'm going to be, where am I? I'm going to be in New York next month, and I'm going to be in Fresno with, in, in September with Pastor Dale. Uh, I'm going to be other places. Everywhere you go, churches are looking for the answer. How can we, how can we touch more people? Can, can we do better worship? Can we do better kids' stuff? Can we do better youth stuff? Can we preach better? Can we teach better? All of those things in themselves are not bad. Can we have better small groups? Can we, can, what, what more can we do to get better? When the answer is what we find in this Scripture as we look along, as we, as we see what the Lord wants us to learn from this. So you've got to get this. Remember, we talked a little earlier about God knows everything about you. He knows everything that's going on in your brain, everything. Now, put it this way. If every police officer in Green Bay knew how fast you drive and that if you would violate that speed limit that you'd get a speeding ticket in the mail. How many of you think would drive the speed limit? Come on, be honest. Because you wouldn't want to pay the fine, correct? Is that true? That's very true. Why is it then when we have a Lord and Savior that knows everything about us is that we ignore the fact of what we're thinking and what we're doing and the consequences. Hello? It's just something that you've you got to come to grips with. And it isn't a thing to beat you up. It's a thing to say, you know what? Man, I just want to get smack dab in the middle of what God is doing. So he said, go call your husband. He says, well, you've answered correctly. You have no husband. You've had five. And the woman said to him, verse 19, sir... I perceive that you are a prophet, right? Why did she perceive that? Because he nailed everything that she was doing. She knew, he knew everything. Didn't stop there, though. Right away, she wants to turn the conversation into a religious bickering session. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus, you know, haven't you had that in, the, in a religious society? Well, I'm a Roman Catholic. Well, I'm a Lutheran. Well, I'm a Methodist. I'm a Church of God. I, I'm a, I belong to Grace International. I, you know, we always want to categorize our experience because of a place. Well, I go to the cathedral, or I go to this church, or that church. And then Jesus says to her this. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Because he's a Jew, the Jew of all Jews who in just a few short years is going to give his life on the cross for everybody. That's the truth. But the worship is in the fact that you have a relationship. But the hour is coming, and now is, 
when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. I want to encourage you, because now we want to go back to this analogy. People out there that don't know Christ are like this woman. Maybe they're not married and divorced or living in adultery, but they're seeking something that's not satisfying. Now, we're the church. We are to be Jesus' hand extended, right? We are, we're, we're it. But are you a worshiper? Uh, you know, is, is it embarrassing for you? The Bible says lifting up holy hands. The Bible says that we should we zero in with an attitude of integrity and love for God. When I walk my dog, or she walks me, uh, part of my prayer walk is I pray in the Spirit, speaking in tongues. Okay, I'm, I'm not embarrassed about that. Right? I mean, if it's good enough for Paul, good enough for me. Right? If it's good enough for... Uh, it says when you do that, you build up yourself. Now, normally I walk really early in the morning. But sometimes uh, I'll bump into people when I'm out walking, the dog. And we have a special track where we walk in Utah. My dog has friends on the trip. She's got dogs that she stops by, barks at their fence. They bark at her and all this stuff. So I'm walking along, praying in the Spirit. I've got my other prayer things that I do and seeking God. But you know, my tendency is when I get close to someone is to just sort of clam up. And I understand they wouldn't understand speaking in tongues. I mean, they might think I'm, you know, an ethnic guy out there or whatever. But the reality is this. I've had to really think that through. What am I embarrassed about? Why am I embarrassed? Me and the dog walking, praying, seeking God. Why should I, why should I clam up when people come by? Oh, I'll say, hello, how's your day? But I am to be God's hand extended. And, and so when you come to church, I want to encourage you. This is not just a song service that we do here. It's a time for you just to zero into God. Now, maybe you're not comfortable raising your hands. There's different, different people, different strokes for different folks. But get into worship. Forget about what's going on around you and just tune into Jesus, right? Because there's a time coming. I'm telling you what. Uh, where things are going to get so difficult that people aren't going to be embarrassed and people are going to come to places by the hundreds and hundreds and thousands to worship God because we live in perilous times. We live in times where now what is biblically wrong, the media by and large is call, calling right, where government is, is moving away from the very tenets. But now instead of being mad at them, we pray for him. We seek God. We, we pray for him. So he talks about worship here. And then he goes on and says this. And the truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is the Spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us these things. Now we, we have, he gave her a personal revelation right here. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Wow. It's one of the great I am statements in the Bible. The New Testament's replete with them. You go back to the Old Testament, wherever they used I am, it was God. I am am speaking to you right now. Now we have the ability in the church today to understand that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And what are we to do? 
We are to set a course to places that we normally wouldn't go and share Christ. We are to be his hand extended out there to a world that's desperately in need. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked to a woman. Yet no one said, why do you seek or why are you talking to her? The woman then left, and this is what I've never really zeroed in on before. I've read it. The woman left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She left the water pot. She came thirsty. She came to draw water. And she left the very thing that brought her to the well. And I got to thinking about that. I got to think, you know what, Lord? We need to lay down the stuff that we think is so important, the stuff we think is going to satisfy us and fulfill us and get the job done and go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. That's, see, that's the whole crust of this thing. And then I was reading, and I, I'll, I'll, what time I got? I got oh, I got, oh, I got a lot of time. Man, you guys might even get out early today. Can you believe that? But I, I, I went into the book of Acts. Now, here's the thing. I talked about repeated truths earlier, where you've got to tell your kids over and over to do the same thing, and you, know, you just keep repeating, keep sharing over and over again. So the disciples come. They see Jesus talking to this woman. They know in their minds that, hey, this is really outside of the, of the religious nitpicker box. Actually, their attitude was somewhat pharisaical. They were acting a little bit like Pharisees themselves. What's he talking to that, that half-breed for, right? But now, they saw this whole thing. But then you go to the book of Acts, which is the history book of the New Testament. I'm on a uh, reading through the Bible thing, and a few weeks ago, I, we're, we're going through the book of Acts. And uh, as I I was reading this particular passage, crucifixion has taken place, the day of Pentecost has taken place, Spirit of God has just poured out on the people, right? And and 3,000 got saved on the day of Pentecost, and they didn't even count the women. And we count women today. You you, you know what I mean? In fact, I'm going to talk to him about that. In addition to the men, how many women got saved that, that day? All right? But then, for quite a while, for a number of months... They were just zeroing in on the Jewish people to bring them to Christ. So what happens? Uh, A Gentile named Cornelius, right, has this vision. And he sends for Peter. Now, Peter was one of the disciples that saw Jesus talking to this woman, this half-breed. And I'm sure after the fact, she went back. There's a revival. She brings out the town. Many people came to embrace Christ, that, that happy group. But what happened? They, they simply forgot and had to have another replay with Cornelius. And then Peter says, I now perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Are you get it? And finally, that launched him into going out and reaching everybody with the gospel. And things exploded and, 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 the, and, and Pentecost and, and the power of God and all of this stuff. But what, is it, what does it boil down to? Laying down the garbage in your life that doesn't satisfy. This woman had tried to find satisfaction with these men. 
She could have sang that song, I can't get no satisfaction. You see, you can't get satisfaction from stuff. You can't get satisfaction from everything that you have boiled up. When it comes down to it, naked you come and naked you go. You've heard me say it before, never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer, that you don't take it with you. Nothing wrong with nice stuff, nothing wrong with nice, nice homes, nice automobiles, but you can't take it along. You can't. So what are we here for? We are here to give people a drink of something fresh. And it has to be a constant strategy in our lives. And if one thing has sustained me over the years and, in, and really amped up the last five years is the fact that people everywhere are scared and frightened. Now we're getting a little bit of a reprieve. Maybe the economy is turning back. Maybe house prices are going up. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe. I want to tell you it's all a facade because everything is shaping up for Jesus Christ to come back. Are you with me? Maybe, maybe, maybe. But what never changes is there are people coming to drink stuff that doesn't satisfy. And this woman, when she got a, a complete and total touch by the master, didn't, she didn't say, I'm going to run and tell all these men in the city, but I've got to get some water first. Water wasn't, that kind of water wasn't even on her mind anymore. The, the real need of her life is the real need of society today. 120 people spilled out of the upper room, evangelized the continent of Europe in three years. It took them a few months to realize that that whole thing encompassed more than the Jews. It encompassed everybody. So where are you today? Where, where's your strategy? Where's your mind? Where's your attitude? What, what's gripping you? Probably isn't drugs. Probably isn't alcohol. It probably isn't an adulterous relationship. It probably isn't any of those things. There's people that come to church in a summer day when we finally get some cool weather at 9 o'clock in the morning. By and large, you're probably a pretty good group. <laughs> are you there? But let's just take this group in this new church, and say, what well can I go and sit by and share the real, everlasting, living water? Where can I be the most effective? So many of us are bogged down by life circumstances, by pain, by agony, that, you know what, it's not going to last. My favorite saying is, it came to pass, it didn't come to stay, right? So I want you to look inward today. Here we have, our Lord and Savior said, I have to go through Samaria. You know, I'm seeing more and more as God directs my paths. I'm seeing God putting me in places to hand out the living water. And you know what's shocking? even though I preach a lot of different places, this, the pulpit or the whatever you want to call this, it's, we made it into a pulpit. I think it's probably a high-end table. <laughs> I am finding that 
most of my opportunities with people who need the living water is not behind this pulpit. It's in my neighborhood. It's on an airplane. It's in a restaurant. It's in the mall. It's at the service station. And, and that's what, if we could just grasp that in the church, the stuff that we put way up here that's such a priority would just sink down to here. And we'd be, we'd be bringing people to Christ. We would be sharing like never before this glorious message that Jesus died on the cross. He gave his life. He shed his sinless blood. And now you can have true satisfaction. Because no matter what life throws at you, Kathy Tun's granddaughter, and I don't know if it's original with her. If it is, she ought to write a book. Um, she talked about the piano, Dave. Piano has a bunch of white keys, right? Doesn't it? I mean, have you ever seen a piano? What else, what else does it have? Black keys. And, and what her granddaughter uh, emailed her was, she said, life is like a piano. The white keys are the good things that happen to you in your life. The black keys are like the bad thing that happens to you in your life. But you have to play the white keys and the black keys to make good music. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? The bad stuff that happens to you mixed with the good stuff, I've seen that in my life. It's so exciting that it does make beautiful music. I, I want us to, and Pastor Ryan's coming in a minute to share a few announcements and receive the offering this morning. But I, I want the Holy Spirit. Remember, I used that little illustration. And uh, when I get around the Great Lakes, they're gorgeous, right? How many like the Great Lakes? They're gorgeous. I also like the mountains. For me, Jan likes the Great Lakes more. I like the mountains more. But we sort of come together on that. And, uh, you know, if you, I always say if you wrap the mountains around the Great Lakes, everybody would want to live here. But here's the deal. When I saw that in the Spirit, that rock, that big boulder dropping in the middle of, say, Lake Michigan... And then the, the ripples or the, the waves. I mean, if it was a big enough rock and it was high enough, it would send out some pretty big waves. I'm, I'm hoping today, in this simple little message about this Samaritan woman, that somehow something would fall on you that would cause you to bring this message. That you need to go to work tomorrow or you need to go to your neighborhood or wherever you just need to go and then when you go there you think there are people who are coming to this place and there's no satisfaction Lord just shake loose from us our preconceived ideas on who we should talk to and who we shouldn't talk to Lord just break through those barriers and Lord when we come to Christ we're no longer half Norwegian or half Icelandic or half Swedish or half Jewish or half Polish or whatever. We are one in Christ because holy blood runs through us. So Father, touch him now in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for coming today.